Well, if you have a copy of your scriptures, please turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, which should be a very familiar passage of scripture if you studied the incarnation and why Christ came to us. We'll be focusing on on verse 9-6. There in Isaiah 9, you're going to see four different names that Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, would be called, and I'm going to focus on one of those which is Prince of Peace. When Pastor David was planning his, planning his vacation, he said, Travis, you know, I'm going to be gone. Would you, would you preach on December 25th? I said, I would. This must have been September. And I remember thinking how cool it would be to preach those four different names of Christ. And I just started thinking of the Prince of Peace. So for whatever reason, um, in God's providence, Isaiah 9-6, the Prince of Peace is what the Lord laid upon my heart, so this is what we're going to hear this morning. And before we read Isaiah 9, let's ask the Lord to bless the reading of the Scripture. Uh, As we know, the reading of the Scripture is powerful. We know that even Charles Spurgeon, (laughs) he said it was the worst sermon he ever heard, but he walked into that church that day, and the man practically read, come to Jesus through Isaiah, and God converted that man's heart. So we know that through the reading of Scripture, that God can do His work. So let's ask the Lord to bless the reading and the preaching of the Word of God. Father, we come before you and we're just going to read one verse, but we know that these verses are potent, that it's powerful, that it speaks of you. So Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. We pray that you would change our hearts. We pray, O God, that we would be different people when we leave. We pray that we would see your Son for who he is and we would glory in his name. We would worship at his feet and we would live a life worthy of the calling and by which you have called us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Thus is the reading of the very Word of God. 1914, December 25th, and if my math is right, it may be off a couple years. I went to a Bible college. But 108 years ago, December 25th, 1914, there was a very famous soccer game that was played. And the soccer game was from a British army and a German army. Of course, you know, that was when World War I was fighting. It was on the Western Front, and the Germans were fighting the British, and it was trench warfare. And the reason there was trench warfare is they they wanted to see how close they could get to the enemy without being fired upon. And they would almost dig, sometimes even up to 30 meters away, they would be in these trenches, and and they they would fight against one another. And there in the trenches, it was 10 o'clock at Christmas Eve. And we started hearing, we as if I was a British soldier, but the British soldiers started hearing the Germans singing Christmas carols. Joy to the world in that thick German accent. And they're used to screaming obscenities to one another. They would yell at them and they would yell back, oh, you want to say something to me? We'll, we'll talk about your mom and your parents. And, and they would yell obscenities and they'd get really crude and harsh. But at Christmas Eve, the Germans started singing Christmas carols. 
Well, the British army said, well, we're going to out-sing you in Christmas carols. And they started singing louder Christmas carols. And it was a Christmas carol war. And they started singing back and forth. And all of a sudden, a German soldier stood up and said, you know shoot, I know shoot. I'll come halfway if you come halfway into no man's land. And you can read massive books about this. You can read first-hand accounts. You can see photos. I know there's some deniers of this. There's a lot of books about that Christmas truce. And that day on December 25th, two armies, two nations that were at war, shooting one another and killing one another, hatred for one another, decided Christmas was the day to lay down their guns, sing Christmas carols, play a soccer game, exchange bullets, exchange tobacco. You know that went down in 1914. <laughs> That's what they did. Because there's something about singing about the Prince of Peace that makes you realize why Jesus Christ actually came. He came to bring peace. And if you're taking notes, we're going to see three things, real simply, that Jesus brought peace with kingdoms. The second thing we'll see, He brings peace with men. And the third thing we'll see is He brings peace with God. Peace with kingdoms, peace with men, and peace with God. And as we look at this peace with kingdoms, I don't care what type of Miss America pageant, it always seems that what they want most is world peace. Don't we all just want world peace? The sad reality is that when you look at the numbers from 2022, they haven't come out yet, but if you look at 2021, you can see how much war has taken place and how many casualties there are from actual wars throughout the world. Myanmar, of course, there was over 13,000 casualties because of a military coup, and they're fighting who's going to be in charge of that nation. In Ethiopia, there's still a civil war going on. In 2021, there was 4,790 casualties. That number will be higher this year. Of course, in Mexico, there's a drug war going on. The cartel's killing over 5,000 people in 2021. That's not including the deaths of all the, the drugs and even in the states that carry over. Yemen... 5,500 people. Saudi Arabia is currently involved somewhat in that war, so there's no telling what's going on there. Of course, you know about the Russian and Ukraine conflict. No matter what side of the politics you're on, you don't want to be there, and I don't want to be there. seems like the Russians and the Ukraines don't want to be there. But yet, people are dying. In China, they ramped up the murder of Uyghurs. They ramped up the prison camps of Uyghurs, killing them because they're a minority group. Of course, you read in Afghanistan the killing of Christians and they're targeting women now that want to speak out. This is the world we live in. It seems that there is war and it seems like, is there ever going to be any peace? And you may think, what was Isaiah thinking when he wrote that the Messiah would be called the Prince of Peace? Well, I want you to know that Isaiah didn't write this when, when it was just calm. Isaiah wrote this when the world was being torn apart. The very world he lived in was at war. The king of Damascus had just come in and tried to destroy all of Judah and wanted to take over there that city of Jerusalem. But they couldn't do it, so they were at war. Egypt wanted a piece of the pie there in Jerusalem. Of course, you had Assyria, who was the big bad dog in the land, and they're destroying everybody. They defeated Babylon. And the question is, who do you align with, Judah? 
And God said, don't align with anybody. You align with me. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you from all the other armies. I've done it for years. Just trust me. You know, they had a problem with trusting in God and his word and trusting in him and not in political ways of running their country. But it was a war-torn place. Everyone wanted a piece of this land. And Ahaz was the king. Uzziah just, just died. And the question was, who are they going to trust? Armies were, were invading and invading and invading. It was a war-torn area. Isaiah exactly knew what he was talking about, that the Prince of Peace would come. Jesus comes, and we often think Jesus was born, and we will sing that you know, silent night away in a manger. But why did he have to flee in the first place? Because he landed in a place. He was born into a place that was at war. Roman occupation was there. Herod was there. Herod said, let's kill all the young men under the age of two. Let's just go ahead and kill them off because I don't want some king being born taking over my kingship. So even Jesus Christ, the one that would be called the Prince of Peace, wasn't born into a peaceful place. What does it mean to be the Prince of Peace? Because it seems that everyone is at war. It keeps coming back to the kingdom of God. We went over this just a little bit. But the Gospel of John records what Pilate said to Jesus. You don't look like a king. You don't look like a king. What kind of king doesn't have a kingdom, doesn't have rule, doesn't have authority? They couldn't see the kingdom. If you don't see peace, it's because you don't see the kingdom of God. Colossians 1 says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominion or rulers or authorities. All of the authorities submit to God. He did not come to overthrow governments. Do you remember how the Jews were a little bothered by that type of Messiah? A Messiah that wouldn't come and overthrow Rome? Put us back on the map? Give us voting rights? The what kind of Messiah doesn't do this? See, he came to destroy the great enemy. Not the enemy of Israel. He came to destroy the great enemy, which is Satan himself. You know, he had to undo what Adam did. The Redeemer, Jesus came, he had to undo what Adam did. He had to save mankind, but his focus was on crushing the head of the enemy. He says, no one can enter a strong man's house without plundering his goods unless he first bound the strong man. It's the promise of Genesis 3.15. He's ushering in his kingdom. He's coming to crush the head of the serpent. Satan, remember, left heaven and ushered in this wickedness and his kingdom, his rule, and his power here on earth. And here comes Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, coming to take back his kingdom. And to make sure he, that Satan is reminded, this world is my world. It's not yours. As a matter of fact, when Jesus Christ was born, Satan became the hunted and Christ became the hunter. Satan became the prey and Christ became the predator. It was the spirit that led Christ into the wilderness. He must have been tempted. He was there looking for a fight. Because he says, I am the Prince of Peace and I am ushering in my kingdom. 
As a matter of fact, Colossians will go on to say, Colossians 2.15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. He won. His kingdom won. This is his world. It's always been his world. But here he comes to crush the head of the serpent. He ushers in his kingdom. His kingdom is growing and growing and growing. And he's in complete control and complete power. Psalms 2 makes me laugh. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves up and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. And God sits on the throne and laughs. Ha, ha, ha. God, God says, I'm in charge. I'm the one that rules this earth and this world. And the Prince of Peace, he has a kingdom. And it's not in the world, and, and you need eyes to see it. Oh, it's already, the victory's already won. We call that inaugurated kingdom, but it's not consummated yet. He hasn't returned in the flesh, but he has come in the flesh the first time. And he overthrew the principalities and the rulers and the wickedness of darkness. He has won. And he's ruling and reigning right now on the throne of heaven. And where is this peace? Oh, he's the prince of peace. His kingdom is growing. And I said this before, be warned, old nations, that mock him and laugh at Christians and persecute them. Your day is coming. Our king is returning soon to make all wrongs right. Be warned, O nations. God has sent his son once. He's ruling and reigning, and one day he will consummate the kingdom. So, Psalm 2 fashion, kiss the son lest he be angry. Which brings us to the second part of this sermon. Not only did he come to bring peace in the kingdom, he brought peace with men. And, and the more I think about peace with men, it made me think of, my wife and I like to watch Christmas movies, and this is low-hanging fruit, but I'm going to go in and pick it. But I don't know if you ever heard of Old Man Marley before. There's this man named Old Man Marley who, who got in a big fight with his son. And he didn't see his son for years. They were estranged for many, many, many years. Spent Christmas by himself because there was a fight with his son. And maybe you know that. Like you, you had a fight with someone in your family or someone that you love and it just seems that you split apart. And your heart's angry and you're mad. You don't talk to him anymore. And you've got this root of bitterness inside of your heart. That was, that was Old Man Marley. And there's this young boy named Kevin. And he goes to church. He's all by himself. He's home alone. And he goes to church of all places. I'm like, what a good kid, right? He goes to church. And there at church, he has this moment with old man Marley. And he says, I think you should call your son. You should make things right. And there's something about hearing preaching at Christmas that you understand that if God himself came to earth to redeem you from the curse, to redeem you from your sins, to forgive you for no matter what you've done. No matter what sin you have done, it was placed upon Christ. If He was going to redeem you and save you, how can you not forgive someone else? God has all the right in the world. All the right in the world to crush us for our sins, but he doesn't. He chooses. He makes a choice. God chooses to forgive. He chooses to love. 
You know, John will tell us, the Apostle John, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As we heard last week, you can't separate Christianity and love. God has called us to love one another. If you know the forgiveness of Christ, you should be the chief forgiver. You should be one that grants forgiveness. Reality is, is Paul makes this clear. To live peaceably with all men, if possible, for, if, it, if it resides inside of you, I'm not telling you to go back to your abuser because there's real abusers in this world and you don't need to be around them. I'm not telling you to go be around toxic people or to make things right when there's no possibilities. This has to do with you and your heart because the Prince of Peace comes and he brings peace in your heart and you're able to let things go that you've held on for years. And there's people that have these things for years in their hearts, the bitterness and the hatred. And what Jesus Christ actually does is because He comes and you see the forgiveness that Christ has given you, you are then able to grant the forgiveness. I pray that if you are harboring something in your heart, that you would understand this is what God does. Dr. Reader, who is in the PCA, and a lot of people don't understand that denominations actually don't divide us, they unite us. People say, doctrines, you know, denominations divide. Well, actually they unite. We are really close to our sister churches. We are close to our brothers and sisters in our denomination. Some we don't like to be as close to, but some we like being close to. And some of the churches we love, and, and Dr. Reeder tells a story. And if you've ever heard him preach, he shares this story because it's such a fascinating story. Um, he's a pastor in Birmingham, and they have a prison ministry. Not only do they have a prison ministry, they go into one of the hardest prisons in Alabama, and they, they preach the gospel, and they have a seminary there. Praise the Lord for this ministry. There are men that have life in prison that know more theology than all of our pastors at this church put together. They study it all day. Some of them are going to be ordained soon by God's grace, and I'm thankful that God has this ministry. But he shares a story about a man who was the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood and another man who was the leader of the African-American gang. Both of them came to the Lord. And they said the entire wing of the prison has been transformed. And he says, you can't separate them two anymore. They're best friends. And he says, people don't know how it works. They're like, what are you teaching them? He's like, it's the gospel. Well, we can't promote that. Well, that's the only thing that's going to change. But you see people who have two different ideologies who on paper should hate each other, but why don't they? Because the gospel saves you. Because the gospel changes you. Because the Prince of Peace comes and you understand how much forgiveness He has given you. And you look at people differently and you learn to give forgiveness differently. And I pray that you would take these things to heart. The third thing, we've seen how He brings peace with the kingdom, how He brings peace with humanity. But ultimately, he comes and he makes peace with God. And I want you to hear me very clearly. The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, did not come to make peace with Satan. 
That's an old ransom theory that you hear pop up every now and then as if Satan's in charge and he's holding all the souls in hell. And he's like, I'm not letting them go until Jesus Christ gives me payment. Tertullian, Arrhenus, Justin Martyr, Pastor David, that's his expertise. I'll let him explain all the church history. He is like a buff when it comes to this. But these men took these people to task and said, no, Satan's not in charge of anything. He is but God's lackey. Jesus Christ didn't have to make peace with Satan. He made war with Satan and crushed him on Calvary. The blood of Jesus and the atonement was to placate the wrath of God. The Prince of Peace makes peace with God the Father. Paul will write, we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He makes payment for us to God the Father. We are the ones that were enemies with God. And Jesus Christ lives the life that we cannot live and He paid the price that we could not pay. The wrath of God was placated and atoned for. The very sins that we do that deserve the punishment of God, when we are at war with God, the Prince of Peace now represents us to a holy and righteous God. We're no longer enemies. We are children of the King. Sons and daughters of the living God. Christ was punished when we deserve to be punished. When you hear Prince of Peace, I pray and hope you understand the ramifications of this. That ultimately is peace with God. And you know what? We don't deserve it. But God is merciful and gracious. As we close, I pray that if you are harboring bitterness, I know what it's like. I've been there. Just like Psalm 32, right? David, I'm not going to confess it. I'm not going to do it. And he's like, all right, I'm a miserable wretch. I need to confess my sin. And he confesses it. He, he knows that God is a saving God. You don't have to read, you don't even have to know the New Testament to know that. God's a redeeming and saving God, kind and gracious, merciful, wanting to give mercy. It glorifies Him to give mercy. You go to God and you confess that. He is the Prince of Peace. He will make all things right, but ultimately it's because He made peace with God and you can have Christ in your heart living for Him today. Let's ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word. Father, we've come before you. We're thankful for this one name that you were called the Prince of Peace. Your kingdom is here. It may not look like it, but it is growing. Men are being converted. And one day you will consummate it. Father, we pray that if someone is here, that we would grant forgiveness because it's been granted to us. We also pray, O oh God, that if someone doesn't know you, may they have peace in their hearts with you, knowing that the blood of Jesus forgives us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.